well, the first things that got me into music, of course, coming from a large family, and and uh, my father was a doctor, my mother was a school teacher, and and uh, a lot of music around the house, a lot of listening coming from Chicago, you know, listening to jazz, blues, R&B, you know, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, The Beatles, yeah. you know, uh, and then of course. My older brother Maurice, already being in the business as a drummer for Chess Records, was a big help. So we were, you know, right in the heart of listening to music. So that was the, the first time I got the bug. And when, you know, when he stopped, first started drumming um, for Chess Records, you know, did, did, did you look up to him and did, did you think, you know, one day I also want to be... Well, I was in awe. Well? I didn't know that I would have the opportunity. But the way it worked at Chess Records, they would record the records on Mondays and they would, they would be out on Fridays and I would get wow. like we would get the advance copies you know like on Thursday they would call them the demo records you know yeah so that must yeah. have been really exciting and um, so I, you know you, you were listening to all these great jazz records and also the Beatles mm -hmm. um, yeah tell and, me Motown, and, Motown, and Motown and Motown, Motown. tell me a bit about the beat you know the Beatles and how, how they influenced you you know do, do you regard um, Paul McCartney is. You well, know, we saw them there. on Ed Sullivan. You know, the Ed Sullivan 1964. show. Yeah, when they came to America. That was the very, very first time. You know, they came as this phenomenon. You know, uh, and then later on we got into the musicianship later. You know, we were a little young. But then we got into the fact, oh, George Harrison, he plays great guitar. Oh, wow. You know, Paul McCartney plays great bass. Lennon, you know, Ringo. And then we had Motown, then we had James Jamerson on bass, you know, so I think those two, those two elements really put music out there, you know, in front of the national audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what, and what drew you to bass specifically? When like I came into my orchestra room and I saw it, I immediately fell in love with it. And then Maurice got me an upright bass from one of his buddies and I started taking lessons and, and, uh, and then uh, his buddy, the late Louis Satterfield, who was also in the Phoenix Horns and a bass guitar player and also the bass player on all those chess records, was my teacher, so I'd go to his house. So during the week I would do like the classical thing and then on the weekends I would do bass guitar. Well, I mean, it obviously sh you know, it shows yeah. that kind of... Tra so how old were you when you were you know, getting that kind of amazing education? 13, 13 wow. 14, teenager. And like you know, aside from aside from all of that during the week, you know, would you say that you got? Because I've been asking some of the other greatest uh, musicians so I've been interviewing, you know, about like how they first started practicing, how they first started getting into their instruments. Did you find yourself like the the better you got, the more you were playing, and then it yeah, I would pra I practice like ten, twelve hours a day. Wow. You know what I mean? Just listening and listening. Um, when I'm off, I still practice an hour a day. Now, you know, I'm off because just to hear the sound and and kind of go back to the basics, you know, without lights, without stage. That's you awesome. Know, it's just you in a bass and you're in a room. Yeah. By yourself. And, but, you know, that's what made you fall in love with music, you know, right. playing it. So it's right. Never you know, old. There's no bells, there's no stage. It's just yeah. you and the instrument, you know, and that's how I learned. And uh, did, so when you started, did you learn by listening along to records? Obviously, you had all this education as well. So did you learn to read early or were you doing a lot of stuff by ear or a bit of both? Oh, I learned how to read early. You know how to read early and uh, then listening and then 
uh, creating my own charts, you know, uh, chord changes, different things. I kind of had my own technique, and it gave me an opportunity to sort of like be, you know, create my own style. I wasn't yeah. really locked in. You know, I had a chance to kind of, by doing the classical thing, I had that, and by being with, you know, Satterfield and those guys, I had a chance to learn music and learning how to play in the studio at a young age. Yeah, so it's so both sides. Right. And, um, and then, so when, when did you think, or was there a turning point where you thought, okay, I, like, not only is this something that I love doing, but I actually want to do this professionally, I want this to be, you know, my life's work? Well, I knew I wanted to be a musician, I knew I wanted to do it, but the turning point came for me was when Maurice brought me here to California, you know, and I was still in school, I was on scholarship, I was, you know, it was paid for, it was conservatory of music, which was a big deal, you know, at the time, and, and, uh, so did you leave that to come here? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. How, how old were you then? 18. 18. So wow. it happened from the time I was like 13, 14, 18, things happened very fast. Yeah, really that's fast, you know. young, you know, to be... And, yeah. and, you know, did you feel any, you know, pressure from your parents or did you feel, you know, about getting that up to do this? Did you feel like it was no, a they was No, they were very supportive. Very supportive. Because I was going with him. And yeah. he had already been a professional. He'd already been, you know, doing he had already played with Ramsey Lewis. He had already been on stage. He had this idea about putting this band together and asked me that I want to come to California. Although, in retrospect, I wasn't really ready, you know. Uh, and that was before we were Earth, Wind & Fire, before we became successful. So that was like five, six years, you know, before the world found out. Yeah. You know I mean? So I had... It, you know, it was a work in progress. You know? So what were those years like? Did you, do you remember having like, you know, quite a fire in your belly and, you know, like, uh, you know, we're going to make this work and... It was just or, a progress. Or did it, it feel really it, natural and easy? It was great, you know, it was, it was, you know, you mentioned earlier, you came out in LA, you really loved it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how I felt. So yeah, you just fell in love with the city. Yeah, but at 18 years old. Yeah. Which so is it's different, you know what I mean? It's yeah. really like different, you know, 18 years old is like, you know, being on the moon. And yeah, it was yeah. very, very yeah, uh, uh, artistic, a lot of artists were here, and everybody was here as they are now again. You know. And those early Earth, Wind & Fire records, you know, do you look, you look back at that time with great affection? You know, when did you first think that, first get a sign that, that the band was you know, really destined to be something special? Well, yeah, we did a couple of records for another couple of labels, Warner Brothers, but it was really when we signed to Clive Davis that we knew we were on our way, that we were gonna be successful. But we had a few records before that, you know, so by the time we got to Clyde, we were, we were, we were ready, you know? Then that's really when the real journey began, you know, traveling around the whole country, opening up for other people. You know, we were opening actors. Well. Who, who, who did you open for? Uh, Uriah Heep back in the day, Rod Stewart, Curtis Mayfield, Gladys Knight, uh, Barquets, uh, we were opening for everybody. Uh, Rod Loop, Rod Stewart, uh, all those guys. So, but it was great. We had a great time because we had a chance to watch their shows. You know, we had a chance to just be around and and play in front of those kind of audiences. Yeah. Well, I mean, you probably developed into an act. I'd say that surpassed all of the, all of those guys. So. Well, know. we definitely were able to hold our own, but it was really exciting because we were doing. Uh, something nobody else had ever done, you know, at that particular time, you know, coming out here. But for me, it was great coming out because it was different, you know, it was different than growing up in Chicago. Although Chicago was great too. It's a great, great foundation. It was great. But then when I came here, then that's, you know, things really started like, happening. You know, it, was like, it was like going to the moon, you know. 
Yeah. You know, although it was happening every year. Every year it got better and better, rehearsing, recording, rehearsing, recording. Like to, to this day, I still love to record and still love to rehearse. And, and how you know how full on was the you know the schedule during that time? Were, were you work you know were you working all the time like rehearsing, recording, touring? Yeah, we were. We were very we full were, on. Yeah, but we were doing it, making it up as we went along. You know. Yeah. You know. You know, lifting equipment. You know, uh, driving station wagons. Although they wouldn't let me drive except once. Um, uh, you know, a band like a, a garage proper band. band. Like yeah. a, a band, but like a garage band. You know, you do it yourself. You. You know, you make your own sets, you make your own wardrobe, you know, you, you know, you share 10 guys in one dressing room, you know, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, you're sort of making it up as you go along. And like how many shows a year would, would you say you were having to do during those early, uh, early days? As many as you could. As many as you could. As many as you could find. And how, and you know, how did they get booked up for you? Was it just as a result of the interest in your records? I don't know. You know, I was so young. All I just knew, there was a gig, and There's I go gig, to the gig. You play it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't, you know, I was not that sophisticated, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, well, I, I, I didn't know what an itinerary was. I didn't, yeah. know, I didn't know any of those things, you know. I didn't know what that meant, you know what I mean? I just knew I had a bass. And, and we were going to go play, play and well. plug in. Let's go play. Let's go play some, some shows. That's awesome. Now, they weren't even called shows. They were just gigs. Yeah, you yeah. know, it wasn't like you know concerts. You know, like now they're concerts. Yeah, know. it's more music focused, less of the. Yeah, well, you know, when you're that young, you know, I got a gig. Yeah, know? yeah. So it was different. Yeah. And so, how would you describe, like, you know, the, the signature Earth, Wind, and Fire sound? And you know, would you say that you found it during the during the mid '70s for the first first time? Yeah, I think you know, uh, even the records in the beginning that weren't successful, Maurice always had a very strong concept. You know, the, if you go back and listen to records that, the very, very first records, they had a definite concept to them. You know, it still had a foundation, you know, of an Earth, Wind and Fire sound, and it just kept growing and growing. So Maurice had a, he had a vision of what he wanted to hear, and, uh, and, he, uh, and we helped him with that vision of putting it together, because you have to understand there was no band prior to, to that doing that kind of music and that kind of uh, musicianship and songwriting and uh, all, all in one group, all in one group. And bass and, and drums are so important on uh, Earth, Wind and Fire records. Was that, is that, is that a conscious thing that you, you know? Well, of course, Maurice being a drummer and my brother Fred being a drummer. Yeah. And, you know, we grew up like that, so it was like probably just a natural thing. And did, in all those tracks that Maurice and I played on together. Did those songs, you know, did, did you develop, develop them all, all together? Like, you know, you know would, would you lay down bass, bass and drums or work that out before anything else? Well, we would just cut the tracks. We would cut the tracks and go back and listen and things like that. And, and, um, and then we had the late Charles Stepney, who was fabulous for us, and who had worked with Maurice at Chess Records. And I, I would have to say that that, that uh, Charles was our George Martin because he was more experienced. He was older. He would talk to us about music. He was very supportive. You know, he helped us get better. You know, so for us, you know, I think for uh, for any young person to have those two types of leaders and mentors was the best thing because you learned it on the job, but you learned it in a good, loving way. I mean, you still had to work hard. You had to put the hours in, but it was it was. It was still great to do, you know. Yeah. At least for me, you know. And w w when when you look back at uh, you know Earth, Wind and Fire's legacy discography, mm -hmm. what what would you highlight as being you know some of your favorite tunes? Not necessarily the sort of 
you know, Septembers of this world that are obviously, you know, masterpieces and standards, but like what beyond beyond those? Beyond well, Let's Groove and Boogie Wonderland and Well then Boogie I said Boogie. Uh uh the different ones. I love the imagination, I love uh the some imagination on the spirit album. I love uh fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and ironically Philip on both of those songs really great, fabulous Philip Bailey. Yeah. Um There's a lot on your face. Some of the instrumentals uh, running because you know we had instrumentals on the records yeah. too, you know, you know. Uh, but what's interesting now, uh, everywhere you go, there there's always one of our songs on the radio somewhere. I think there's every minute and fifteen seconds across the world they're playing Earth Wind and Fire song. And September Ooh, probably is undoubtedly. I think it's probably the fifth most popular song in the history of music. You know, it, yeah. it's ironically out of out of all the songs we did, that's the one of the ones, and and it's one of the most popular songs in the world. And every if they don't even know us, they know the song. And do you, you know? do you ever get you know? So like, if I'd imagine if I was like interviewing like Van Morrison and I talked about Brown Eyed Girl, he'd probably be a bit like, mm, I'm not into that anymore. But with September, do you get do you get like do you get bored of hearing it? Or no, no, because no. it is just. It's I'd say it's song, the song that if you put it on on at any party, any event, you know. People will just like go mad for it, no matter what their taste in music. It doesn't is. matter how old they are. It doesn't matter anything. Generations. It's uh, it's everybody knows that song. They know the middle of the song. You know, uh, it's it's just one of those songs that I think every band uh, that's been successful has a song. Yeah, yeah. That they're known by everybody. You know, and we were lucky that that it uh, that was the song. And what do you think in terms of you know full albums? What would you highlight as being you know, some of the records that you're most proud of as a whole? I love the album, the All in All record. That was a great record for us because um, it was different. The I Am album, I love that album. Musically, performance-wise, sonically. Uh, and well, let me see... Head to the Sky was raw, different, you know. Each record got better and better and and better. And um, and what I love, I think we had seven double platinums back to back in a row, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And don't forget now it was musical, you know, it wasn't, you know, just commercial. No, you not know, at all. The, the arrangements, you know what I mean, that... Uh, that were put together and, and Maurice's production, you know, it's still some of the best productions uh, on record. You can put those records on now, they sound just as good today as they did when they were recorded. hundred percent. You know, George Massenberg and Maurice's work and, and, um, and our musicianship, you know what I mean? So those are some of the records, probably more They'll come to me after you leave, you know. Yeah. But uh, well, there's just too, yeah. you know. But too off many. the top of my head, too, off, too off, many. Off the top of my off the top. There's too many off there's the top of my head. Too many great records. Right. But, so, and, and like this room, a lot of records. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's certainly a trophy cabinet here. Mm -hmm. um, and so it would be great, great to talk a little bit about Maurice and you know his his legacy and what, right. what he means to you and you know it's uh, it's uh, what what you guys achieved together is 
you know phenomenal and you could obviously you can listen back to it absolutely um, when, and uh, and be be reminded of, of, of all those great times but you know it would be just great to hear a bit about you know well first of all he was the he was the coolest uh, and, and Mark and Maurice and he was the we used to sit in my den in here uh, uh, when Maurice would come over and uh, uh, just really brilliantly talented um, cool of the cool of the cool um, uh, knew what he wanted, you know, very focused, um, funny if you knew him, because I'm, I was the only one that could really, really make him laugh. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was great, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here if it hadn't been for him, you know, they, you know, he, you know, developed me and molded me and, and, um, and uh, you know, I'll be grateful forever and ever and ever. And what and what we built together, you know, still lives on. You know, we built yeah, it. Always will. Yeah, we always will. We built the, one of the biggest monstrosities, and um, that's still alive. You know, I think it's probably us, Motown, uh, the Biggies. You know what I mean? We're like a, yeah. we're like a entity. You know, we're a band, but it's an entity. You know. Yeah, it's that's something thing. that's you know gonna 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 live on. It's, it's like one it's of the like, greatest acts of all time. Yeah, it's like it's like Apple, you know. Yeah. you know Apple, you know, Earth and Fire, and you know yeah. the Beatles. You know, it's yeah. kind of got it's got like you know you know Amazon. And and yeah, well I agree. You know, you know it by name. You know, you know by name. And and when uh, and you know when he first kind of called you up and asked you to come to LA uh, as an eighteen-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, did, could, could you ever have imagined that it would be like this, or did you think, you know, is, is that what you were aiming for? Not like this. I knew we were going to be successful. You know, back then I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll come out to California, and you know, and after five years, you know, it would be over. And then I'll go back to Chicago. I'll get a teaching job and maybe <laughs> play on weekends, and I'll teach. You know, that's well, that was my. So dream. you were pretty down to earth then. Yeah. So I was going to do that. I thought. But it just yeah. kept. But it kept on going. Then it went from five to ten years, to fifteen, to twenty, to twenty-five, to thirty. Now we're getting ready to have a. Now it's almost close to fifty. Wow. So yeah. So. Uh, and you've got some shows coming up in Vegas at the Venetian. Yeah, we're going to do a, 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 another residency, uh, which we're really looking forward to in March. Uh, I think it's the twentieth through the thirtieth, or one of those days. I'll just pull it up online. And we did it, uh, our first one was in May last year, and um, and that was really, really exciting. So, uh, uh, and we were saying, well, we hope they invite us back because it went so well, and, and they did. Presto, they have. Yeah, so it's a great, it's a it's a great room, by the way. It's a Phantom of the Opera room. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful show, just beautiful. Yeah, oh, I think it's going to be spectacular because I know that you guys have played some UK shows recently, like, you know, Glastonbury Glaston went down. Glastonbury, we did... Uh, um, the Love Supreme show last uh, summer, and then we did uh, Bonnaroo, Firefly, and uh, so uh, these are the festivals of the new generation. And do you still get a big kick out of performing, you know, like you ever did? Right, yeah, I do. But what happened was the reason I found out about Bonnaroo and Firefly because they have there's I have young kids. There are young kids work at my gym, <laughs> like in their twenties, and they said, "Oh, Mr. White, you guys are going to play." Uh, 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 Firefly, and I'm, I'm saying, oh, great, cool. And I have to look like, what's that? I said, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so uh, the fact of it is that now we have five generations of, of uh, young people that come to see us, and and, uh, and they know all the songs, and and they're really being discovered 
by us now, this generation, through their parents or their brothers or their sisters. That's what I find it's happening now. So when I take pictures now, they want me to take pictures with them for their parents, you know, yeah. for their dads and their moms and things like that. So I've, I've watched the evolution of of now what fans are are uh, coming to work with it down, yeah, yeah. they want to work with us and want to and want to hang out with us and want to uh, take pictures with us. So it's a, and they're finding out through their parents and their brothers or sisters or oh, yeah. albums that've been laying around in the at the house that they didn't really you know. Had never heard before. Yeah, and then they put it on. They're probably you know getting their minds blown. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Verdine, it's been a real pleasure. And uh, thank uh, you thank very you. much. And uh, yeah, it's the the uh, greatest musicians of all time. Certainly, it's uh, a well deserved uh, honour for you. And uh, l yeah, looking forward to writing. With well, you. thanks for coming over. Yeah, thank you so much.